Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Hey there, thank you for listening to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. So once upon a time, my dad went on a really long bike ride, and it was like 100 miles or something like that. And when he finished up, somebody asked him, hey, how you doing? How, how'd it go? You know, what's what's... What's the story? And uh, my dad, he said, well, I either need a new butt or a new bike seat. And so I, sh- I share that just as like a little funny uh, starter. But it's if we kind of stretch it out and get a little bit more serious, you know, we, we can apply this sentiment to a lot of areas in, in our life. You know, um, you know, sometimes it's like we look for ways to not be happy, not be content um, he was saying that to be joking, of course, but yeah, sometimes, you know, we're just, we're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy with our bike seat. We're not happy with our bike. Life's just a, a hard thing to do. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. Sometimes we go to a restaurant and it's like, we want what somebody else has, or, you know, uh, we, we see this beautiful dish go by our table, uh, that the waiter is carrying. And you're just like, wait, was that even on the menu? You know, sometimes we just get jealous and, it's a competition, and we're just not satisfied. We want more, more, more. And then, you know, another angle to this is it's good to have deadlines, right? It's good to have goals. But then we put this extra demand upon ourselves that our happiness, our ability to be content, will only come after we reach that goal. When I graduate when I get married, when I have kids, when I get a new job, when I lose five pounds, that's when I'll allow myself to be content. And so it's like, what's wrong with us? Why Why? Why do we do this? Well, today uh, we're going to uh, be uncovering 10 insights from our New Testament pastor friend named Paul. He's going to help us think about what godly contentment is today. So Paul was a brilliant theologian in the New Testament era church, and uh, we know he didn't work alone. He he had co-workers, he had collaborators, he had a network of of ministry partners to work with, and one of them was a younger man named Timothy. And we know that Paul was like a spiritual father to Timothy. Now one of the churches, uh, Ephesus, had some issues going on, and people were distorting who Jesus is. You see fake intellectuals, some phony religious people, they they started to hang out with the Ephesian church. And, you know, some of them, in an effort to make a buck, they were teaching weird things, okay? Speculations. Now, as a side note, I think church should be one of the best places, the safe place to be able to have weird conversations, right? Um, But here's the thing. When, When... when teaching becomes divisive, divisive, disruptive, troublesome, when when it's tearing apart the church, that's that's a different story. That's that's a problem. And so Paul, he sends young Timothy to go pastor Ephesus. And what follows uh, after Paul sends him there is a, a letter is written, and we call this First Timothy. And so we have an elder pastor writing to a younger pastor. And so with that being said, we're now going to jump into the live version of this sermon uh, that was given on November 12th, 2023. 
and uh, you know, let's uh, let's continue on here. So this letter is about confronting corrupt church leadership and bringing corrections to these divisive people within the congregation, divisive situations. And the whole goal is they need to come under the leadership of Timothy. And again, there's troublemakers here. They're they're running their mouths. They have some weird teachings going on. They're trying to make money. They actually thought that their godliness was a means to financial prosperity. And so in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, Paul drops a reminder to Timothy. Okay, the key to, quote, wealthiness is this. It's in verse 6 of chapter 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be devoted to God and be content. Devote yourself to the gospel and be happy in your identity in Christ before God. You may not be financially wealthy, but you will be spiritually wealthy. This is the key. A godly life and and simply just being happy with yourself, that is a great combo. Godliness is one of the virtues of the renewed life in Christ. It is a lifestyle. It's devotion to God, devotion to the gospel. Okay, godliness is something that we can grow in. Like an athlete, this is something we can train in. It doesn't just happen, but it's something that we need to put effort into it. You know, we, we need to pursue this. We need to pursue godliness. The Bible says that there are two main ways, or at least two main ways, uh, that, that we can grow in godliness. And it's through sound instruction and knowledge of the truth. Contentment is a frame of mind. It's where you view your lot in life as sufficient. You're just cool with things. You're not looking for more. You're not looking for less. You're good. Like, like enough is truly enough. And so for Paul, the great combo is this. Godliness with contentment. That's, that's where you want to be. So let me read the rest of the passage here from 1 Timothy chapter 6. And then we're going to walk through 10 insights from Paul. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Jumping down to verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. 
In this same way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So that, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Insight number one. Y'all ready? Godly contentment is not dependent on inner strength apart from Christ. Okay, we need to understand some historical context here. Paul would have been super familiar with the Stoic philosophy in that first century, first century time period. If you describe someone as being Stoic, what does that mean, right? It's a person who looks calm, who shows no emotion, okay? You know, sometimes you just, you meet like a toddler who's just like, they just show no emotion. They just, they're just like, it's like a stone, stone wall to- toddler. Anybody like meet a kid like that? You're just, wow, like what a Stoic little kid, you know? Like that comes from the Stoic philosophy, if you ask a first century Stoic to describe what it means to be, quote, content, they would talk about self-sufficiency. It's all about the power of you, baby. <laughs> look inside of yourself. Look into your inner, your inner strength and, and um, pull yourself up by your, the bootstraps or something like that. You know, it's like it's all about looking inward. Find your inner strength. Be that rock that is unmoved by the raging sea. That's the stoic mindset. That's what it means to be content, self-sufficiency. But of course, as a Christian, we do not want to rely on ourselves. That is not the gospel. We rely on Christ. And so when we look inward, we're looking for Jesus who's already in there, right? We're looking for Jesus. That's where our our strength is comes from. We rely on Christ. Insight number two. Godly contentment is not dependent on circumstances. Specifically with our context in our in our text today, we're talking about wealth, okay? Don't wait until you have some extra cash in your hands and then you'll allow yourself to be happy and content. Okay? Paul says, you bring nothing into this world and you take nothing with you. You leave this world empty-handed. So you might as well learn how to be content with the basic necessities in life. More wealth, more vacation days, more stuff, more food, more options. Sure, that might make life a little bit better, but ultimately it's flimsy, okay? It, it... We cannot guarantee contentment with more money, more vacation, more, more, more. Like, no, cannot guarantee contentment. There are people who are really good with their money, and they are miserable. People who really watch what they eat, and they exercise, and they think they have perfected their body. And guess what? They're miserable. There are executives who have climbed the ladder, and they've gone higher than just everyone else, and they are miserable. There are people who look like they have their life together, and guess what? They're just rotten and miserable on the inside. The wisdom is this. Let's find contentment in the basics, like food and covering, clothing, shelter. And so it's a call to reframe our mind here. Jess and I recently discovered, we we have like a, a mattress topper, and we like flipped it around. And it's like, it's like having a brand new mattress all over again. Okay. 
And I was thinking, yeah, like, I've slept on some bad mattresses in my life, you know? Or to reframe it, okay, it's, wow, like, actually, like, I've slept on a mattress just about every night of my entire life. I probably, if I wasn't, it's probably because I was camping or, you know, there was a need for a sleeping bag, like a sleepover or something like that, right? But, but really, like, it's not about whether it's a good mattress or a bad mattress, but, like, I have slept on a mattress just about 99.9. Like, it is, like, such a high, mm, like, we need to look at the basics, the, ne- the necessities. We, we must look not at our circumstances to form that godly contentment. We are to look to God, to rely on God. And we trust that, hey, God's going to provide me with the basics. I'm going to trust in him. And guess what? Then everything else is like bonus from there on out. In the letter to the Philippians, Paul, he's under house arrest. Okay. Typically not the best scenario, but he he wrote, he's like, hey, I've learned how to be happy. I've learned how to be content here and whatever my circumstances. I know what it means to have a lot. I know what it means to have nothing. Here's the secret. If someone's going to share a secret, you'll probably like lean in a little bit, right? So like, do you know what the secret is? It's Christ's sufficiency. It's just, it's Christ. Christ, Christ, like like you're relying on Christ, trusting in him. Which brings us to number three here. Trusting, believing, faith, godly contentment. It needs to be rooted in faith. Paul's faith in Christ, it unlocked this greater level of, of what it means to be a Christ follower. Jesus is the one who makes him who he is. And the more that he knows that to be true, the more that he can do all things in the Christ who gives him strength. And so therefore, it's not about our ability to perform and muscle through the day, but it's about finding the joy of the Lord and making him our strength. Being content with the basics in life, it's a gospel issue. Because we're believing and trusting in this good news that God is good, that he's a good provider, and we don't need to look elsewhere. God is a good provider. So when we believe and we're willing to be satisfied with the basics, you know, we trust that everything else is going to fall into place. This idea is also expressed by Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 6. Godly contentment. Find security and seeking kingdom first. Jesus says, don't worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. Father knows you need it. Okay? Don't worry about it. Behold the flowers of the field. This field that's dressed in splendor. Look at the birds. You know, God loves birds more than we do. Okay, like there, there is little creatures, it's little birds. God feeds them. Birds don't need to go to the bird grocery store. God provides, right? Look at the birds. And here's the thing. God loves birds, but like we're image bearers. God goes out of his way, just provides for, for birds. How much, how much will, more will he provide for us? And we trust in this. God feeds birds. God's, God will feed us too. 
And so the mindset is to seek the kingdom of God. Seek his righteousness. Everything else will fall into place. Don't worry about having enough. You keep the faith and your concerns will be met. And so yes, godly contentment, it's not found in worldly riches. It's not found in hoarding material goods. But it's about living faithfully today. Trusting that God will provide. And as you seek out life, as God intended it to be, as you seek out the kingdom, God's just going to keep providing. And so you faithfully seek out the good life in Christ today. How you guys doing? This is good stuff, right? But there's more. There's more. Number five, the desire to be rich above all else is dangerous. And so now we have a warning. Being rich is not the problem. Having stuff and wealth is not the problem. But it's the desire to be rich. That's the danger. The strong desire to be rich, that is a fire that you don't want to mess with. You'll probably get burned. It's a trap. It can lead you into ruin and and destruction. We won't explore this deeply here today, but Paul says loving money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's this uncritical pursuit of wealth. It's such a big stumbling block. And so for Paul, following the path of wealth accumulation at all costs, it can actually lead you away from the faith. And so Paul says in verse 11, you know what, just just flee from it. The New Testament gives us at least three things to flee from. Sexual immorality, idolatry, and a desire to be rich. And so I have suspicion that godly contentment will help us in our morality, our worship and obedient, obedience life, just as much as it will as, as dealing with our love of money. But for now, we'll go to the book of James real quick. James encourages us, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil. And the devil is the one who flees from you. Insight number six. We are encouraged to fight the good fight of the faith and pursue good things like righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and gentleness. Again, growing in the righteous life, that is something we can pursue. It takes time, it takes commitment, intentionality, determination. Dallas Willard once wrote, Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. So one way that we can fight the good fight is we put the effort into it. We work on our our spiritual habits, okay? Perhaps some of you this very morning, you woke up and you started making coffee and you didn't even really think about it, okay? You have a habit. So what would it look like if we had habits of righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance, gentleness? What if you reach for gratitude just as quickly as you reach for your phone in the morning? So like an athlete, keep pressing on, keep heading towards this goal, which is eternal life. According to 1 Timothy chapter 6, take hold of eternal life. Just like when Peter was about ready to sink below the waters, Jesus takes hold of him 
It's the same expression here. Take hold of the prize. Keep your faith and hope in God. And so insight number seven is this. Put your hope in God. Don't be arrogant and put your hope in riches or anything else. It's a misstep to put your hope in wealth, the stock market, which can be just so uncertain, right? Plus, wealth has a tendency to to uh, spin your heart where you feel like you are better than other people. You know, other, people who have less than you, they're second-class citizens, okay? That happens, right? So, what's the correction? Don't be arrogant. <laughs> Don't be prideful. Quality, verse 17. Put your hope in God. God richly provides everything we need for our enjoyment in life. And so again, godly contentment is about trusting God and not your own resources. And so, know and believe this. All things come from God. All things come from God. And so when we truly know that, eight and nine just naturally flow out of here. Be rich in doing good deeds. The encouragement in general is to just be good, do good. But specifically, to do good deeds. Be rich in helping others out. Be rich in helping others out. Which means, number nine here, be generous and share willingly. Learn to be dangerously generous. Come alongside of others and help them out. It doesn't have to be money, but it's, it's time, it's resources, it's other things. Now when it says flee from this desire to be rich, if I could add, like, don't just flee from this desire to be rich and run aimlessly, but run towards generosity. Run towards gratitude. So often we place ourselves at the center. At least I do. Yeah, it's my money. It's my time. It's my stuff. And then we have this mindset, like, look what I bring to the table. And then God says, that's cute. Because God is the host of the table. And all things come from God. Okay? This is something we need to believe. All things come from God. It's, it's not about what we bring to the table, but it's about what we are willing to share that God has already given to us in the first place. So when we realize that, that everything comes from God, that opens us up to share well, to be generous. And when we do good deeds, when we share, when we are generous, a natural outcome of all of that is that we lay up treasure for ourselves in the age that is to come. Which brings us to our last insight today. Know that what we do today matters in the age to come. Somehow, what we do now lays a good foundation to the age to come. There's no suggestion here that you can buy your way into heaven or that if you are a generous superstar that somehow you earn your way to eternal life. That's that's not on the table. Doing good works today, it comes from the overflow of your faith in Christ. It's who you are, your identity. You are a Christian. You, you are a little Christ. You are a Christian. And because of who you are, you are going to do good. 
you're going to be, be good. You're going to speak good. You're going to share good. When you give, and when you give, and when you give, 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 it turns out you actually don't lose any wealth in God's economy. The good news is you're actually laying away. Somehow, you're building this foundation in the age that is to come. I'm not exactly sure what Paul is talking about, but foundations are meant to be built on, right? And so if we are building a foundation... When we are generous, we are, it's like we're building this foundational treasury that will last. And then from there, we can truly take hold of the true life. What we do today matters. It's not in vain. It doesn't go unnoticed by God who sees everything. So there you go. Ten insights to living a godly content Life. Godliness is good. Godliness with contentment is even better. In fact, godly contentment is probably just a really dangerous thing to so many of our world's patterns and schemes. Like, probably the world won't know what to do with a godly content person. Because a godly content person is a person who can just bring a non-anxious presence wherever they go. Like, think about, like, the consequences of a godly content Christian walking into the chaos of this world. Like, that's going to turn heads. People are going to be like, why are you the way you are? Why are you so calm? Why are you so chill? I'm not saying, you know, we don't get flustered. But there's, there's this inner peace, right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, godly contentment, walking about in a non-anxious presence. Wow, can you imagine? And so, brothers and sisters, let's pursue this godly contentment. It's not about our butt, it's not about our bike, but it's the fact that we have a butt and a bike to use, right? And so, let's use it. To the glory of God.